Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Will at Schedulefly. So, you know, every now and then you meet somebody for the first time, and you feel like you've, you've known them your whole life. You start talking to them, and you connect so quickly and so readily that the conversation just flows so naturally for two hours, it seems like you've been talking for just a few minutes. Well, that's what happened when I first met Chen Tsai at Heirloom Brew Shop in Raleigh. Uh, we had connected via email. We'd never spoken a word to each other. And um, very soon after we met, we started recording our conversation. And this is without question one of the best interviews we've ever done for this podcast. It, it, it may be my favorite one ever. Uh, Chen is, uh, he and his wife Anna, they're telling a story at Heirloom Brew Shop. And it's an amazing story. And it's a story, as he says in here, that you know he hopes will continue to be told for a hundred years and more. This thing's awesome. Enjoy. All right, good. All right, we're live. All right, cool. What's up, y'all? It's Will with Schedulefly, and uh, thank you. I am here in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm very excited for this. Um, I'm here with Chin Sai, and we're at Heirloom Brew Shop. And uh, this, I, I'll, I'll put pictures on, on uh, Instagram. This place is phenomenal. Um, these guys have a uh, business. How long have you been? Uh, we just hit nine months. Nine months. Okay, nine so months. Not, not, not even a year yet. I mean, this place, is the design is phenomenal, the atmosphere, the staff. Thank you, Will. I can tea I'm having is fantastic. Um, it, so thank you. Thank you for, for letting me come and do this. Oh, likewise. Yeah, thanks for, um, thanks for being here, Will. Will just drove uh, a few hours from a few hours away to, yeah. to experience this. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is why we do it. So. Well, why do you do it? Tell me this, like, what's the, what's yeah. the backstory, my yeah. friend? Well, so, you know, my wife and I, uh, Anna, just a few years ago, we, um, we were both kind of doing the corporate thing. And, uh, you know, we'd always wanted to, or both our families come from the hospitality industry. Okay. And, um, you grew up in Ashboro. I grew up in Ashboro. Uh, my parents, my dad came to the U.S. in the late 60s. and From where? Uh, from Taiwan. Okay. And mom, the same. She came in uh, uh, probably 10 years after him. And uh, together they owned probably around 20 restaurants in the southeast. Oh, wow. Um, Anna's parents, the same. They came from Laos um, a couple of decades uh, afterwards. And um, they had around a a handful of restaurants as well. And they they, uh, extended family a few more. but, you know, we really wanted to tell their stories and tell ours as well a few years ago. And, our, and still, I think our country has been going through a few uh, unique situations when it comes to, you know, socioeconomic things and yep. the political atmosphere. And, uh, you know, we, we gradually started to think, well, you know, what's a way that we can tell our parents' stories as well as ours, but to also leave a legacy when we're gone from this world? Yeah. And, um, you know, I had taken a trip to Taiwan couple years ago to see my mom who's actually uh who lives in durham but she was over there for for doctors and stuff and uh family went out to a cafe and in the coffee industry you know some folks will refer to a moment called you know various terms but some people say you know i've had a god cup moment um i don't necessarily like that term but essentially they're saying they've had a cup of coffee so good a god kind of see god in the reflection of the cup of coffee uh, it's, a, it's a rarely used term, but I was reading um, uh, the God Cup book at the time, and 
Um, I looked down in that coffee and I was like, this, this, is, this is amazing. And we had been in specialty coffee for a while. But I got back and we started roasting coffee and, and really getting into things. And had always been really into, into food and beverage. And, uh, you know, at one point uh, we just said, we have to do this for not just ourselves, not just weaving together the stories of Laos, which is where my wife's family is from, Taiwan, which is where mine is from, and, and Japan, which Taiwan used to be a part of. Yeah. Um, but we really want to build a canvas for cultures to be weaved together, and that's why we do what we do. Man, that's a, that's a big transition from my man. I know you had hospitality in your book. Keep, mm-hmm. the, keep the mic. There you go. Uh, but what we said, so what y'all were both in corporate America? Yeah, we were both designers, um, okay. small to medium businesses, but also uh, large enterprise as well. So okay. yeah. that's why the design work in here is yeah. just so freaking bad. <laughs> this is awesome. I appreciate it. Well, you know, thank you. Did an amazing job. Uh, okay, so walk me through. You you decided you were going to do this, but mm-hmm. that's a there's a big undertaking. You've got all the development of the concept and the the you know this spot that used to be a. a manufacturing mm-hmm. spot and I mean, what's what how long did that process take from this when y'all made that decision to when you opened your doors it took a lot longer than what most people go through um it took about three to four years three to four years um, so we started still off, working and you're working on this on the side exactly still working and uh heirloom originally was meant uh, as a concept for durham um okay. it's meant for durham and we were trying to find a spot over there um but what was really important to us is finding a a, a development that a number of things doesn't you know, negatively and immediately disrupt the community around it. That was that was a very important uh, factor for us that we were looking for in a in a space. You know, Durham's a great market, but but uh, retail space inventory is so low. I mean, it's it's just such a there's so much going on. We fell upon a, a great opportunity this way, and our building, 18 stories, you know, doesn't immediately displace anyone around it. And I think uh, we went through a lot of conversations when, when we were developing this roof, the first spot into the building. And uh, the developer, Kane, who we're really close with, they're an amazing company, um, really spent a lot of time having conversations with us in terms of how do we go about doing this tastefully? And, and they, they know all about it. Um, but how do we drive you know, local, local catalysts in the warehouse district in Raleigh? So it took us a while. I mean, it, it took us three to four years finding a space coming up with a design and, and being very intentional and uh, inspired by it. Um, every detail in the space, I mean, we poured over millimeters just to make it work. Um, the front counter is much lower than any bar that, you know, the average bar that you'd walk up to. And just mechanically moving everything away from the front bar was just kind of a nightmare, but we wanted to make that possible. Why is the front bar lower than it would? Just interaction. You yeah, know, okay. we wanted, we wanted a, a place where... You know, you didn't have to hike up to a stool. You didn't have to peer over a machine to look at your your, your bartender or barista. And, and for a lot of reasons, things are hidden behind the bar for, you know, just to make things easier. But for us, we wanted to kind of expose everything to, to really, you know, if you wanted to see your drink being made, if you wanted to see, you know, just have a conversation with someone beside you at the bar. Um, you know, it's, it's, I believe it's 32 inches tall versus the usual 40 plus. Um, and all the machinery is, is on the back bar. Yeah. So we started that. Our, our engineers and, and architects were like, well, it's going to be a little tough. Um, but uh, we made it work, and I think it's, uh, it's well worth it. You, I mean, so the level of attention to detail and the intention that you brought to this is very apparent. Did you um, tell me about 
what, what did you and Anna think about when you thought of it? What's the experience going to be like in this space, and what do you want the space to tell Absolutely. people when, when they're here? Absolutely. We started off, um, you know, we wanted to create a solace for the city, right? So the city's amazing. Raleigh's a, a, a any city is great. City. But uh, we spent some time in, in Asia, and, I mean, you could be walking in, in the busiest district in Tokyo, step into a, a cafe, and it was just like you're in pure zen, right? Um, and we wanted to create that for Raleigh. We wanted to create a place where, you know, you could be uh, from any any income level, any demographic, walk in and enjoy the, the space alongside someone totally different. Um, you know, versus a lot, of, a lot of spaces try to aim for a specific, you know, um, let's say dollar amount or a specific uh, vibe or whatever. I mean, we've got people that come in in suits sitting beside someone that's reading a book. Um, you know, a whole team of people coming in to get uh, sake and beer uh, beside someone that's just enjoying a cup of tea for a few hours. So um, what's really important to us, and especially as we headed into menu development, is, um, you know, I think it's really important for to have offerings where... I'll give you an example, Will. So... You know, we've, we've had instances where I know someone comes in and, and they don't have their own own home or own shelter and, and they're enjoying something right beside, you know, at a table next to someone that's, you know, probably in the top 1% in Raleigh. Right. And it's beautiful. Neither of them know this, um, but they're both enjoying the same experience in the yeah. same place. And it's it's fully approachable. So so that's something that we wanted to, to build into the space. And uh, lastly, we, we wanted it to be inspired right and not just not just design something that looked cool but the ceiling and for those of for those of um that have seen it on instagram or or facebook the ceiling is inspired by asian architecture um you know if you look at it it looks like it might be in in japan or taiwan totally yeah um but the the philosophy behind it is it's it's actually our interpretation of humans and communities so as humans we're simple you know, in this case, wooden slats. Each wooden slat represents a person. Nice. Okay. And when it comes together, it creates a structure and a and an entirety that's that's more complex and stronger than any one single slat. And so, if you look at it from across the street, it's got kind of a shutter effect. Um, it looks semi-solid, but as you walk up to it, it starts to kind of reveal more negative space. You look up when you're actually standing in the space, and and it reveals everything. You can see the speakers, the the lighting the egress uh, signage and all that and and that's our take on communities as you you know first impressions from afar can be different but as you get to know people and as you spend more time with them yeah um, you get to know it and and we've got some you know some pieces that look a little inconsistent they've started to bow Uh, these pieces over time will turn gray and uh, that's true for humans as well so that's phenomenal so you like the you you're not going to Totally. I love totally. that. I mean, we have got friends will come in here and, hey, I think your wood is bowing there. And I said, that's, it's beautiful. Ah, oh, and it's going to turn gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, like teak or something like that? Yeah, it? yeah. So I want to give a shout out like to... Like my beard. Uh, I love it. It's, I didn't it's, have it's, a lot of beard silver beautiful. in my beard a few years ago, and I grew it out. I was like, oh, oh wow. It's, it's but I like that, yeah. man. That's freaking cool. Um, so we had our friends, uh, Tactile Workspace, um, you know, come in here and, and build the... Uh, 
we designed it took a while to design to going back to the original question it took a while to design the space and uh they got in here in the course of five to six days brought all the machinery in to fabricate it and put it up and, and it was really a, a labor of love at one point uh so and, and when people walk in and, and they you know they're kind of admiring it and, and just enjoying the experience that that's really what makes this all matter it's it's again a canvas for us to tell our stories a canvas for you to tell your stories and you understand the power of story and you're trying to share your parents stories how um is a lot of that subtle though chin i mean you, you haven't done a lot of press you haven't done mm-hmm. a lot of i mean what have you done to share that story is it well you know and and uh we, we don't believe in advertising. Yeah. Uh, we don't do much press. I think, you know, our story really is told by the small details in the in the space. We we try to stay true to even the menu. Um, one of our one of our requirements for things hitting the menu. We go through a lot of R and D and a lot of you know dishes that hundreds of dishes that don't make the menu. One of the requirements is that it's it's genuine to our stories which means that there's influence from Laos or Taiwan or Japan um, that it's not a fusion it's not a fusion of you know the south or an uh, you know American fusion because we do want to stay true to those those culinary backgrounds yeah but the way that we've presented these dishes is through the lenses of Asian Americans whose parents have come to the US so they're a little different than the traditional dishes in Asia um, but they still try to stay somewhat true they also can't be dishes that are being done by another establishment in our market because one of the other things that we really want to do is, you know, our community has helped build us up. We want to try to reciprocate that as well and not try to serve the same thing of, you know, another menu down the street is serving as well. So we move very slowly, and uh, but, but that makes us be very intentional and be very inspired to be creative. And through that, I think, you know, a lot of our friends have noticed and a lot of and, and that's how our story gets retold and 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 spread to others as well and so i'll walk into the space and, and on some days and people you know i had someone actually walk up to me and say like i i really care about your story heard about it from a friend of mine um and then i went on your instagram which is really the where we you know tell yeah. our digital story yeah. and uh kind of fell in love with it and and they spend three days a week here now so um, I think that really speaks volumes versus, say, you know, a five-second advertisement that someone sees online. And, and that's not to say advertising doesn't work, but, you know, for, for a more, um, you know, in-depth story, I think it really takes someone to try to, you know, just really be intentional about diving into to, to hearing it. You, um, some of your posts, I mean, you really put, you pour a lot of personal heart and emotion uh, and transparency into into those. Mm-hmm. I mean, it resonates, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I started reading some of your Instagram posts. I was like, I got to go talk to this guy. This is really mm-hmm. cool. I mean, that's. Um, Thank you for noticing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm sure people that you know that's it. It uh, it sticks. Um, and I, God, I think it's so social media. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a tool and it can be used in as we see a lot, you know, in really negative ways, but it can also be used in a really powerful way to, to communicate Absolutely. with an audience of people that 
care and want to know what's going on and and um you all do a great job with that you do a really good job with thank it. you yeah i mean i learned from you like i <laughs> I'm serious, man. Like we, I just started. We knew, we never really done any social media. I just started using Instagram this year, really, to kind of help promote mm-hmm. the podcast and stuff. But I'm starting to come up with more thoughts about how to personalize some stuff a little bit more. And a lot of it's from like what you do and what Van does, and what mm-hmm. some of the folks that I really admire mm-hmm. that we serve do. So. Well, I think what's beautiful about ScheduleFly, and, and this is... So you don't need to talk. You don't well, have to. I mean, I, I, I wasn't trying to set that up or anything. No, not at all. <laughs> and this is, this is actually, I mean, it kind of speaks to how we make decisions here at Heirloom. You know, I think there's a lot of companies that, that um, you know, we could use to, to schedule. But uh, oh, yeah. one th- I think what's beautiful about, about ScheduleFly, and I know this isn't about ScheduleFly, it's... Um, you know, what stuck to us was stories that we heard from years ago that ScheduleFly gave a platform for, for other, you know, other stories to be told. And I think that actually is the ScheduleFly story for other people, yeah. other establishments to be able to, you know, scheduling is just something that, uh, you know, you kind of do to, to, to operate and but yeah. to ultimately tell your story. And, and that's where platform really helps us is it, it, it makes all that easy so to get to, gets it out of the way so that we can actually tell our stories and you know this the series and you know the series before this and you know it's that's what stuck out to us and we said from the start you know this is the platform that we're going to use oh man that's awesome we love it i mean we um we don't really we've never done any advertising we don't have any salespeople. Mm-hmm. and i just always just like god we got all these amazing mm-hmm. people like I just want to know their stories anyway. So yeah. if we can, you know, it's just so cool. Like the same with like, you know, the, the, the democratization of be, being able to spread information and story. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I and mean, this is like a couple hundred bucks of equipment and, yeah. you know, pop it up and you can have an audience of millions. Absolutely. If you, you know, it's just, it's phenomenal. I love Absolutely. it. I love it. So it's cool that we could do that. The books were, um, the same thing like we self-published those there was no gatekeeper the, the, the elimination of the gatekeeper is just mm-hmm. in, in, in with technology now is like awesome because it just enables you to reach people that you never, never yeah, could. I love it I love it um, okay so okay getting back so first of all this is you you, you do nothing in a hurry and planning for three or four years I mean, so many people mm-hmm. in this business they just they want to mm-hmm they want to get started and maybe they not necessarily cut corners, but they have to look things, maybe negotiate a bad lease or whatever, mm-hmm. but you clearly, you and Anna clearly just took your time. It wasn't a certain date. Absolutely. I assume it just was, it's going to happen yeah. when it's meant to happen. Yeah. yeah. The, the only thing we rushed actually was the opening and I'll get to why we did that in a second, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we don't rush anything. I mean, seasonal things, things like that. I mean, you know, we, we just really try to take our time, be inspired by something. And it kind of goes back to, I mean, as a shop, Heirloom, we always said, look, this is not going to be a commercial venture. In no way can it be a commercial venture. Obviously, you know, you have to do things to, to keep the business going. But, um, you know, for us, I keep coming back to saying it's, it's a canvas. It's, it's a, for us, it's a passion think for everyone in the business it, that that sticks in the business it's, it definitely is a passion but you know this is something for us I, I want to be able to tell the stories of my parents 
you know, the stories of Anna's parents who are flying in today um, to see the shop for the first time, actually. So they, they'll be here in a few hours. No way. Yeah. yeah. Really? And, um, um, you know, through that, because, you know, if you go back to a few decades when they were in, in, in the state and in the South, it was a very different place, very different times. Um, they were not able to tell their stories. So this is our way to kind of give back to them. Um, you know, the, the times that they would try to tell their stories. I'll give you an example. Well, I mean, there, there was a, a time I, I was three years old and uh, I was riding in my dad's car. It was just me and my dad. And uh, someone shot at his car and there were bullet holes in the car. It, it missed both of us, but uh, they ended up getting the car by torching it. Where was this? It was back in Ashborough. Really? Yeah. Why? And, uh, you know, just being different. Being different. So... So when we were opening Heirloom, we had put up our stories, and, and you have to kind of, uh, you know, keep keep your construction hidden behind vinyls on, on the storefront. We took the time. We, we put our stories up on the on the vinyls, right, and wrapped the windows up, and, and we, we penned a letter to, to Raleigh uh, from both Anna and myself and said, we hope to see you soon, and, you know, this is our story, and hope you like it. And I told my mom, she's like, you got to take those down. Don't, don't keep the vinyls up. I mean, you're, you're going to get a rock through the window. You're going to, it's going to be tough for you. Just tell your story once you're open. Never got that. We never had that happen. We actually just had people just stand right in front. Got a couple pictures, just, you know, people didn't know I was standing behind them and they were just admiring the story. And, and I think that speaks volume about where we are as a city where we are as a state yes. and, and as a country that, uh, that, these things can be freely told now and, and admired, right? God, man, I got chills um, thinking about that. Yeah. Because so, this is, what, 30 years ago? 30, uh, around 30 years ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm 33 now. This and happened when I was three. For folks listening uh, that aren't familiar with North Carolina, I mean, Ashburn is, what, an hour east of here? Or something yeah, about like an hour, hour west. Or, or, or hour west, yeah. west. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sort of southwest. Yeah. Okay. Um, a beautiful place. You know, yeah. I grew up there, but, uh, you know, there... I think certain people, it takes time for them to warm up to, to change and faces that are different to, to theirs. And, you know, again, that's, that's why we do what we do. It's, it's not a commercial venture first. It's a, it's a means to tell our stir- stories first. But ultimately, it's, it's encouragement for others to tell theirs. It's really not about Laos, Taiwan, and Japan. Yeah. It's about the fact that these things, these cultures that are very disparate in Asia as well, can be weaved together in Raleigh, in North Carolina, and have people love it and be, you know, encouraged to tell their own stories. Yes. We've had, our team is very diverse. Um, we've had people that, uh, all different uh, backgrounds, orientations. We've got people that are you know, transitioning from, from uh, you know, uh, one gender to another, um, unabashedly, unashamed of everything. Um, and that's what we encourage yeah. yeah, to feel safe in this spot. And, you know, y- years ago, I mean, again, different time, different place. I-, I-, I would be hard pressed to imagine that, you know, someone would be willing to be served by someone different than them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful time and place to be in. Well, it's, uh, it's been interesting. It's been interesting particularly, you know, in the South mm-hmm. uh, for the last few decades that cities like Raleigh are leading Asheville. They're, they're, they're leading a sea change of just 
culture and diversity mm-hmm. and the way it, it's, a, it's such a great thing to see. I can't Absolutely. believe though that 30 years, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I guess I can, I grew up here. There's so much I don't like about that, but there's so much that I love about the South and I'm glad to see, Absolutely. I'm glad to see it changing. Absolutely. I'm glad to see yeah. that you and Anna can do what you're doing and do it freely and yeah. and not have the, the concern that take that shit down and yeah. rock yeah. down it like that. Yeah, it was, uh, so I was actually born in, in Shelby and uh really? parents moved to monroe stopped by uh gastonia and lexington so oh, that was man. their whole path and and out of the 20 restaurants uh, several were in those cities but you know what's what's encouraging is even in those times you'd have people that just love them i mean yeah. they would take me home and and say like look we'll take care of your kids and uh you just go and do your thing and you know tell your story but you know i think over time the good outweighs the bad and, uh, you know, it's um, through things like this, again, going back to it, you know, we've had so many people come in here and, like, I don't know what Taiwan is, you know, because it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, we like to tell the stories of marginalized communities, even, even in Asia, right? There's China's trying to, to wipe the history of Taiwan off the face mm-hmm. of the world. Um, Laos is always overshadowed by Thailand. And, Look, Thailand, China, they're, they're great countries, but uh, they're different countries. And uh, for us to be able to tell these stories, and look, Anna and I, we, we, we actually think a lot about mortality. Um, not in a bad way. We're not going to be here forever, right? And uh, one day, I, I, I hope Heirloom is still here 100 years from now. It's being run by someone else. Um, stories are still being told. And, um, you know, along the way, so my, my dad... There were two things that he wanted to see um, before he, you know, before he passed. And he passed away a month before we opened, um, so he never got to see your loom. Really? Uh, he never got to see your loom. And, and the was second it, thing was it sudden or? Uh, you know, he was in bad health for a while, okay. and, and and also from the industry, he was a career chef since he was in his teens. And yeah, as a as a chef going through the industry traditionally, I mean, it's it's not a easy industry. You know this. Sure. Um, you know, late nights, no sleep, um, and I think for for folks in the industry that are that are listening, I mean, it's it's the same story all over again. But you know, we 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 preach, um, you know, taking care of yourselves and getting sleep, not not hitting the bottle as soon as you get off work. Um, yeah, man, sleep yeah. is a yeah. good medicine. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. really good medicine. Yeah. So he he passed away from you know years of alcohol abuse and and diabetes, and you know one thing leads to another, but. You know, it's one month away from Heirloom being open. And, uh, and uh, a month after Heirloom, um, we actually uh, so we lost our first chance at being parents. And that was the other thing my dad wanted to see. But you know, we think a lot about mortality. We're not always going to be here. And along the way, we've, we've lost you know, things that mean a lot to us. You but posted about that. We did, and you and did. I think that was the thing that really caught. Remember that now. That yeah. was what. Yeah. Yeah, and, and for us, thank you. Well, uh, for us, it's it's, you know, everyone loses things they care about, people they care about, but being able to have a channel and a platform to be able to celebrate their lives, I think that's what makes it important and yeah. uh, and makes it worthwhile. You know, again, we'll we'll spend maybe twenty hours awake trying to make sure that we open and close properly and things that you know things run efficiently and and smoothly but it makes it worth it when we're able to to 
I've had had friends that have lost a few uh, chances at being parents. We've told them, look, it's it's nothing to be ashamed about. Um, I think our society is has kind of it doesn't speak about those type of things. Yeah. But if we can help make it easier for for soon to be parents or would be parents, uh, you know, that makes it worth it as well. So, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. That's uh, I have a friend that boy, they went through that for seven years. Mm-hmm. They had actually given up, and then yeah. boom. Yeah. She got pregnant, and now they have a beautiful five-year-old daughter. I love it. It was very challenging. It's hard. Yeah, people don't. It's hard to talk about. It's um, it's a tough thing. Well, what's so unique and cool about what y'all are doing? I mean, this is. It's, I mean, this is a great honor to your parents and Anna's parents. Thank the you. fact they're coming today, the yeah. first time. Yeah, they got stuck in uh, Reagan National last night, and uh, they're flying in uh, sometime today. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the story, like, I didn't know anything about Laos until I met Van. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like the most bombed country yeah. in history yeah. or something, I believe. There or, still or, are I mean, there's, they're all, like, millions of, of active mines there. That because the government didn't, you know, we didn't, mm-hmm. that was not legal and so no we didn't but they're all over the place i mean it's amazing the story of that country is phenomenal uh, and what what people have overcome and um so it's having this platform is uh, absolutely what a cool thing too to honor to be to, to have the intention and the thought and the care about your your parents and their stories to to be able to do this. I mean, I, as I've gotten, I appreciate my folks more and more the older I get, the more and I have kids and you start to really realize mm-hmm. you know, what they've done and, and the sacrifices they've made for you and how incredibly important they are to you and how mortality is a factor mm-hmm. and you know, there's only so many years you're gonna have with them. And, um, so being able to take something like this, it's this perpetual sharing of their story and your connection to them and Absolutely. their connection to this community that's that's pretty awesome man. I mean you, you'll never there's just there's so much more to this business than like you said it's not a commercial operation it's not something that you're gonna scale up and mm-hmm. you know put the re, push the repeat button all over and then sell it off to private equity one day like this is way way more yeah. to it than that which Absolutely. Which means it can endure and you can be a part of it for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something that uh, Anna and I, we don't lead off with this with this, uh, this name, but something that we call ourselves internally and kind of in passing sometimes, but it just gives us fuel and motivation to keep going on. And it's in a way the labels that, have, that, that the world has placed on us at one point or another. And by us, I mean people from our parents' backgrounds and and that term that we use is refugees and renegades. Um, refugees being, you know, for a while, as, even in my parents' generation when they first came to the U.S., if you heard Laotian, Cambodian, Vietnamese, said, well, they're refugees. Yeah. They've got nowhere else to go. They don't, right, right. You know, what are they going to do? You know, what, what do they have to their name? And renegades, you know, that's something that... Uh, you know, the, again, going back to the struggle in, in, in the you know, greater China region or greater East Asian uh, region, the, the, the term renegades has been placed on Taiwan as like, look, these people, they've run away. 
they used to be part of this and they, they, they don't really exist out there right so what we what we like to say in, in little slogans internally that we use to to um, uh, keep ourselves going and our good friend I always think about the slogan that uh, our good friends over at Fountain Coffee in Morrisville they, they just plastered it on the wall it says come as you are mm-hmm. so ours is you know we bring our parents in or one day hopefully bring our kids in bring our friends in what we say is this is what refugees and renegades can build and this is for you that's awesome that's awesome yeah. it's not for us it's yeah. it's it's for you know for someone to you know have friends that are that are identify as one way or another queer and they come in and uh look this is a place where 80 years from now i hope it's still for you yeah yeah oh, love it man so um tell me okay so you've got you've got coffee you've got tea you've got tell me what's on your food menu so our food menu uh, we started off with small plates um we, we've grown to larger plates now and we keep adding new additions to it but there are things that we've never seen in north carolina that we've seen through our travels or through things that our parents have made uh-huh. that we want to be able to to show to to folks that look Taiwanese food, it's not just about dumplings or just about right, buns, right, right. things that we know in the U.S. Yeah. Well, also, it's not just about, uh, you know, pho or papaya salad or things like that, which are great. I love them. But there are different things. You yeah. know, it's, it's a vast culinary world. So I like to bring those things in and things that you could hop in and not have to spend three hours. Um, and there's a lot of great restaurants around here if you want to spend a whole evening in. Some folks will come and bring their laptops and, and we'll spend eight hours in the space. But it's, again, it's however you want to use the spot. I mean, you got some of that going on right yeah. now. You got yeah. people here Absolutely. working. You got, you got uh, family over here yeah. hanging out. We had uh, my Probably. friend Tony who was over there in, in, in the suit earlier. He just, yeah. just flown in from Atlanta. So I think spent 15 minutes there and now he's back out. So yeah, Just flew in and where did he come? Yeah, Atlanta yeah. to RDU, and he's it, off to it, work. And it, it, but he came here first. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, oh exactly, yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it, it warms our hearts, for sure. So, um, I want to ask you a little bit, since you're, because uh, I, I, I just love coffee. I love mm-hmm. coffee. I, I could not go a day without it. Um, but I don't know enough about coffee. Like, so for, for you, I mean, do you... Are you sourcing your beans mm-hmm. very, I'm sure you are, you do everything intentionally. Like, tell me about, you know, the process of where you're, you're getting your beans from. Absolutely. So specialty coffee is, I think it's, it's a growing, um, it's a growing part of the coffee market in our country. So specialty coffee is, is you can liken it to, you know, fine wines, fine whiskeys. You want to source things sustainably, responsibly, and actually taste the the raw materials, the, 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 what nature intended for things to taste like. So in the case of coffee, we taste coffee. Um, we want to retain qualities of the fruit that goes into it. Um, you know, we, we really care about where and how the, the trees were planted, etc. Um, so we work with counterculture coffee, and that's something that we decided okay. 10 years ago, way before heirloom. Yeah. So counterculture's from Durham, out of the, the, the big independent uh, um, specialty roasters they're really the only one that's left from kind of they're kind of the forefathers of American specialty coffee that's still independent 
just so happens that they're in, in Durham. Oh, well, everybody's been acquired. They've been yeah, they've been acquired, and okay. they still do great things. But yeah, but it, it means a lot to us that they've kind of stuck to being counterculture coffee. Yeah, and only counterculture coffee. They never open their own cafes. They're very intentional about doing things of, of, of that nature. But again, there's a lot of great roasters. We chose to work with them because we fell in love with them ten years ago, and we said from that moment, we love what these people do. Um, they've turned us on to a world of coffee that we didn't know existed before. And in a way, we want to pay homage to them as well. And I think the folks over there really don't know this. If they're listening to, to, to the, the session today, uh, I hope it means something to them as well. But we said at that moment that we will never work with, we'll, we'll, we'll be with counterculture exclusively. That's awesome. And um, so we source it um, through them, and, and they're very responsible. One thing that means a lot to us as well, and this is no knock on on, on uh anyone else that does this because it's not a bad thing but if you look at counterculture story the photographs they're about the farmers right they're not about i'm an american taking a photo with a farmer and their children and i think that's something you see a lot of is in our industry oh i'm going to origin you know i want to go to origin where are you going to do at origin right yeah yeah you're going there you're getting a photo op and you're coming i experienced it but the origin hosted you right right you got a picture out of it. There's nothing wrong with that, but I, it's a reminder that, you know, when I look at Counterculture site, it is about the farmer. Yeah. Right? It is about those regions, and it's telling their stories. Yeah, you feel like that's that's very authentic, that right. that's what they truly Absolutely. do care about. Absolutely. It's not, yeah. it's and there, not a marketing ploy. It's not a... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And there's other roasters that do that as well. I, I love uh, Carborough Roasters, and um, the team over there are just amazing, and they're, they're cut from the same cloth, really, but... So, and one thing we remind to our team, sustainability is a big thing. So, if you look at our logo, there's there's four leaves that sprout off of it. And um, it's, a, it's a really complex logo, and it's a lot of reminders for us. But a few of those reminders, the leaves, we can't do what we do without the natural resources and the farmers that tend to those natural resources. One of those being coffee, right? Yeah. There are We go through thousands of coffee beans a day. Thousands. Each coffee fruit only yields a maximum of, of, of two beans, you know, and, and these come from trees that are, are tended to year-round. Two beans? Two beans, yeah. So, so they're, they're the beans that come from coffee cherries, and you pick them out, and you, you process them some way. And in a, in a lot of regions, water is hard to come by. Transportation's hard to come by. So these are, you know, you're carrying tons of beans to hopefully a, a water processing plant or washing station uh, or processing it with the sun some other way. It takes a lot of time. You can't, and, and some of these beans don't, don't actually make it to us. Uh, the same with rice. Someone is planting and picking each grain of rice. And that's crazy. I mean, there are, we go through so much rice a day. Seriously? Right? Yeah. And, and, and we don't... I mean, I think we, we, we have a privilege of being... In America and in, in Japan and hundreds of countries in the world that actually consume, you know, these these things. But we need to remember where it comes from. The so coffee too is interesting because I mean it seems to me like so much of it's there's so many variables that you just get mm-hmm. like weather like mm-hmm. if some country has a dry absolutely season it so they must have to. 
are they getting the beans from different? I mean, they have to. They're, they're, there's you can't you can't go just get some farm in Colombia and expect mm-hmm. you're going to get because maybe they have a bad season. Absolutely. Is, is that right? Or that's, I mean, that's uh, right. Okay, and that's why you know we we go by origins and uh, these these crops they they run for a short period of time, so it's it's hard to get the same coffee throughout the year, and that's that's really when it you know you, you can do that with blends. You blend it to kind of have the same profile. Um, but but when you when you go to, to a larger name and you're getting the same coffee year-round, there's a way that they're doing that. Um, but coffee is organic. I mean, it's it, it does change, and every lot's different. So so there are other tricks that that they employ to to kind of run the same coffee year-round, but mm. it's actually not from the same crop. So. Yeah, I've always wondered about that. What do you, what do you have right there? I'm drinking one of our, um, uh, it's a counterculture that we're running on, um, in a trip, but, uh, this one, you know, I believe, and I should have asked when I ordered it, I actually came in as a guest today, so, um, it, it probably is the Cabewa natural, and the natural process is, is done without washing, you know, through water, you just kind of lay it out, it retains a lot of the properties of the fruit, um, you know, you kind of pick the mucilage off of off of the, the remaining parts of uh, the cherry, lay it out in the sun, it dries, and it retains a lot of the properties of the fruit. So, um, I believe that's what I'm having today. Okay, all right. Yeah, wasn't on bar today. D- d- this is like, th- by the way, that green tea I just had was fantastic. That was really good. It was really smooth, and like, that was awesome. And I was about to ask for another glass of that, let's, but let's now you've got me. I'm, I'm getting the Pavlovian effect here when you're talking about that coffee i i i don't I, you know you can drool over food i'm kind of like drooling over the coffee like i i, I, I want to get it can we flag him down and get a cup of oh, that absolutely yeah. yeah um you call him over yeah we can uh it's fine we can just whenever you grab their attention yeah. or that just looks so good what, what are their what are those what are their names the two that are there uh that's uh hallie and Allie. hallie and Allie. Mm-hmm. hallie's been with us from the start uh, all nine months, a little longer than that, actually. And, and Allie, Hallie actually, on the left. Uh, Hallie is in the in the uh, the black shirt. Okay. And Allie just joined our team. She's actually our newest uh, newest member. So. Um, She's got a great smile. They're over there just. Yeah. Enjoy, you, you can know they don't know anybody's watching them. You they're can tell amazing. Them just, yeah, I mean, look yeah. at them like they're having fun and interacting with each other and clearly enjoying what they're doing. Yeah, we went, a thought into it. We went through. Uh, you know, when we go through the the. Um, the hiring process. There's a lot of talented people in our community, but um, you know, when we make the ultimate hiring decision, it's really about how our candidates make us feel as yeah. people. Yeah. Because you could be the best, you know, bartender in the world, but if you don't make me feel good, my drink's not going to be an enjoyable experience. It's so true. Yeah. It is so true. It's yeah. uh, Brett and I talked about that yesterday mm-hmm. for a while. The the um, is that Hallie? That's Allie. And that's Allie. 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 <laughs> he, he's, we were talking about coffee, and, uh, and I'm just, I got to have a cup of that coffee. It, it, it smells good, and, it, and he's telling me the origin mm-hmm. stuff and counterculture, and it's like, I really like coffee. So, could, may I please have a cup of that? Yeah, it's the joke. Let's do a pour over. Let's do a pour over for Will. Um, let's do a Cabello right. Natural. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh man, I'm ex- see because I start I start my day every day. I have two mm-hmm. cups of coffee, or whatever. But my dad has the Keurig machine, and he's got the 
the Starbucks pods. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it does the trick, yeah. but like that's, you know, yeah. I, I don't, I mean, Starbucks are great and all good, but I, I don't, I don't, that's, yeah. I, I don't drink their coffee. I don't go to their yeah. well, It's fine. I don't have any problem with it, but I just, I prefer, like I was telling you before we start, like the coffee shop I go to in, in Charlotte, it's like, you know, a lot of intention. And, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. you know, just, and, and I think, you know, talking about Starbucks is just such a big name in our, in our industry. You know, it's, um, they've, they've done good things as well. You know, well, look, I mean, yeah. they put the, yeah. look what they've done. I mean, like coffee shops are kind of around in a lot mm-hmm. of ways because they really Absolutely. like spearheaded that. So I give them a lot of credit yeah. for that. Because before that, that, I mean, we were as a country just really on the freeze dried mm-hmm. kind of canned coffees yeah. and things like that and really paved the way for, for a lot of us. Um, and I think as a corporate citizen in, in the U.S., they, they've done some good things. Yeah, they have. They have. Um, a, as a large company, there are it's tough to be consistent, but uh, yeah. you can't please everyone. Yeah. No, and, and I'm just more, I just naturally gravitate towards independent, Absolutely. small, like Absolutely. I just, I, I don't have like some big anti whatever, yeah. but, um, and particularly in corporate America, I, I agree they've been a good, good citizen, but um but the level of intention that goes into a lot of the, you know, what you all are doing versus you know, pushing a button. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so, okay, well, knew a little bit about coffee, uh, knew nothing about tea. Mm-hmm. So tell me, tell me, tell me what I need to know about tea. So we source our teas from. Because by the way, and I, like I, I only like things that have been around. Mm-hmm. For a long time, mm-hmm. so I don't drink a lot of things. Like I have coffee, and I have water, mm-hmm. um, and I have whiskey and oh, yeah. beer. Like that's yeah. basically the only things that pass through Absolutely. my list. Like, <laughs> and they're simple things, right? With coffee, it's it's really about you know it, it is a it's a bean, yeah. um, and it's water, and really it comes down to to what we dial in in terms of extraction. Yeah. You know, what's the water temperature? What's the the volume and the dose of coffee? We do the same thing with teas, and teas have been around for you know, so long. Yeah. Um, we source most of our teas from Taiwan and Japan. Okay. Um, we just started carrying uh, Laotian tea not too long ago, and we try to be you know, very creative but very intentional about how we go about you know doing those things. We've got a summer drink called the the Vientiane Summer. It's a cold brew Laotian tea, uh, lime juice, slightly sweetened. It's actually dedicated to to the city that Anna's mom was born in. Wow. We launched that alongside the Tainan Summer, uh, which is where my mom was born in Taiwan. It's the the old southern capital of of Taiwan and really where the native Taiwanese reside. Um, And uh, and that is a Taiwanese black sugar with uh, kind of a, it's almost a lemonade. Mm. And we did these for the summer, but really slow in rolling these out because you know, I, I just wanted to... Look, these things don't exist in Taiwan and Vientiane, but we still wanted to, to, to place the names on them because, you know, they're dedicated to our moms, but they're also inspired by them as well. Yeah. Um, I grew up, and my mom would make me lemonade, just like I think most of our moms would. Yeah. Um, but she also taught me what black sugar was. And if it wasn't for her, I, I would have no clue what black sugar was. And it's it's kind of this molassesy, like, really thick sugar that that uh, is native to Taiwan and parts of southern Japan. And uh, and a lot of people find it comforting. It's got a warming sensation to it. But, uh, yeah, going back to to teas, um, 
you know, a lot of these get actually shipped in from from family. Um, my, my uncle has a lot of connections in Taiwan when it comes to okay. tea. And the, the other ones that we kind of grab them from all over. But really, we just, as long as they're sustainably sourced, it took us, I believe, five months to get matcha in after we opened. And we had people come in and said, look, you know, we're looking for chai. Well, we don't do chai because chai is actually from more of an Indian background. Mm-hmm. It's actually the Indian pronunciation of the, the, the pan-Chinese word for tea. Okay. And a lot of people don't know this. I mean, no, I didn't the, know. The, so tea originated from China, and, and uh, the let's take the Mandarin word for example uh, for tea is cha. Uh, I'm not pronouncing it with the right accent, but it's cha. And cha is kind of an, an offshoot from that. So as tea traveled west, kind of dispersed from 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 China, it's kind of why you get a lot of the green teas in Asia, and a lot of the darker teas towards Europe. Okay. And it's really oxidation as, as tea traveled from, from China out towards, you know, through India, through the Middle East and up to, let's say, England and the rest of, of Europe. It oxidized as it traveled. And that's how we get black tea. It's really? still, it starts life as green tea still. It all starts life as tea, which is a green leaf. Yeah. And uh, you get your various types um, and varietals from there. But uh, it's oxidation really that changes the color. And, and so going back to our logo, you know, and, and you mentioned beer and you mentioned I love, I love whiskey. Um, we serve sake, which comes from rice. The four leaves of our logo is a reminder of the sustainability of that, that these things come like thousands of years before us. Yeah. We wouldn't be where we are without the farmers that have found a way to, to, to grow, these, grow these things over time to get it to us. But also the, the societies that have built rituals around brewing yeah. and around tasting and, and it being a centerpiece of communities and conversations. And we're, we're both enjoying tea and coffee right now as yeah. we speak. And, yeah. and as the story gets, gets uh, replayed, hopefully several times, I think someone else will be enjoying a beverage as well. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a reminder for us that there are things that come before us. There are things that are, you know, that we need to remember that are, that we need to pay respect, respect to now. And there are things that we hopefully will leave behind one day. And that really is why we named this, this, this heirloom. Because um, we've been passed down an heirloom from several people, not just our parents. And again, one day when we're gone, I hope someone else will pass, continue passing that heirloom down. Oh, yeah, they will. They will. You know, it's interesting... Uh really starting to appreciate and understand that food and drink like that that is a powerful tool to bring people together it, it is the way it is a way for us to connect like nothing else creates mm-hmm. it's why you have like you said people from all kinds of different socioeconomic backgrounds and mm-hmm. it, it's uh there's something about it and particularly in a such a digital world now it's mm-hmm. like the more uh every day I, I really appreciate more and more the simple things like just sitting down over a meal with a friend or a family member or having a beer and just talking absolutely like, we don't do enough of that now we're moving away from that more mm-hmm. it bothers me a lot that my kids like you know like, we don't have a home phone like they don't have to answer mm-hmm. a phone like because <laughs> Right? Like, they don't yeah. call each other. Yeah. Like, my daughter's 15. 
call her friends. They text and they Snapchat, oh, yeah, totally. and whatever. So it's it's a nice, um, a, a small, locally owned, independent hospitality business built with intention, telling a story, is like this. It becomes more and more meaningful and valuable to mm-hmm. me every day almost because it, it's this like counterbalance mm-hmm. to in the just how everything slows down as you said just like mm-hmm. you said ever in this you know you come in here and there's this busy city around here and you come in and it just it calms you totally. it slows totally. you down and you can have these conversations that counteract with like all the business and mm-hmm. the technology that just kind of overwhelms us nowadays. Everything moves mm-hmm. so fast. And, you know, I was on the lake last night as I was telling you with Luke mm-hmm. and we're water skiing. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm so relaxed. This is so nice. And I get in my car and I look at my phone. It's like 26 texts. I'm like, Ugh. it's like instant anxiety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, wasn't it so great when you were just away from oh, your phone oh, and man. just realizing that, like, I haven't checked this in a while. But I'm having so much fun with with my friend Luke on this lake. Yes. It's it's amazing. And you and I sitting here right... Oh, yes. Look at this. Thank you, Ellie. Boy. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Made my day. Ah, it's just just like this. Just like this. Cheers, man. Cheers. Yes. so good i love coffee if it didn't like if it if it didn't have i think it's like all i drink if it didn't have caffeine and make me de- like i love it so much and, and you know we've got some good decafs as well it retains <laughs> retains the quality of the coffees and doesn't yeah. have any of the chemicals that go into usual decafs nice. and use a swiss water process and and it really just makes the uh the coffee just taste delicious but you know will i going back to what we were saying i think we have a we have a luxury of being an easy to approach concept, mm. right? It's, you, you don't need a reservation. We don't take reservations. Yeah. Uh, walk up, grab a table, you know, get a, get a coffee or get a, um, get a whole night's worth of tea, uh, beer and, and sake, grab several courses of food. You could treat it like a, uh, um, you know, multi-course meal. Yeah. But we have the luxury of being able to, to have a presentable, you know, a menu presented and, you know, you've got uh, items that are $6 on the menu. You've got items that next week we'll have one that's 15 It's a Kirabuda pork that's sourced from Canada, mm. um, slow roasted. It's, it's a really fine pork. So you've got things mm. on both ends of the spectrum. So we have that luxury. But at the same time, we've got a responsibility, right? So maintaining those easy-to-approach things, maintaining that solace from the city as you were getting to so that you can come in do work read a book or have a conversation yeah and getting back to your question about how we designed the space there were two other technical things that we took about half a year to do so i i kind of embarked i'm no expert by any means but i embarked on learning lighting with anna and learning acoustics okay so in any downtown space you know you're you're in an old historic area Sound is always an issue. Yeah, you know, yeah. and having a packed house can sometimes, with music blaring for for experience and for ambiance, 
can be sometimes hard to converse with the person that's sitting two feet away from you. Which um, is, which is, uh, which is can be a problem. Absolutely, absolutely. So you end up having to shout and things, and then that's fine. But we wanted to have a place where you could hear the music. Yeah. You could hear other conversations around you if you wanted to, but you could really focus on the person in front of you as well. Yeah. Or read a book. And the lighting. So the lighting, we, we keep it dim at night just for ambiance. Well, go but, back to the, let me ask you about the mm-hmm. acoustics. Like, what did you, how did you go about that? So we took the approach of, of not going commercial with our, with our uh, sound equipment. We went with just home Sonos. Okay. We got a lot of them. We got a lot of home Sonos. And when we first opened, it kept crashing our, uh, our network because oh, really? there were so many devices on the network. Yeah. Um, and um, we played with the EQ settings. That's one thing. Okay. We played with, which was really tough, where to place them before yeah. we started construction. Because if you look at them, they're above our ceiling installation. Okay. And it's, it's re- if one of these speakers break, it's really hard, oh. to, hard to get to. Yeah. Um, but but we, we kind of thought about where do we want to place these uh-huh. so that they blast in the right areas so that you could still hear each other. Yeah. Uh, couple that with the EQ settings. And the ceiling installation actually serves dual purposes. It's, it's you know, it actually absor- absorbs a lot of the sound waves that creates echo. Okay. Um, so on a, on a peak Saturday or Sunday, come in here, we, we turn the music up, but you can still hear each other. I think that's very important. Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. The, the lighting, uh, we, we turn the lighting down, but we keep the temperature at a level that, you know, your eyes aren't straining to do work. Your eyes, because I've got sensitive eyes and... Um, you know, sometimes dim lighting kind of, it's, it's hard to read. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's hard to read a menu. And, you know, that's something that, you know, we wanted to bring it down for, for the mood, but keep the temperature at a level that, you know, you could do anything that you wanted to do. So, again, you know, I think we have a responsibility to, to create a space that's, you know, make it your own, right? It's, it's yeah. your living room, your dining room. Um, we've had some people come in. So the other luxury we've had is, a lot of people have their first dates in, in, in cafes. Oh, yeah. And sure. when the, the first week we were open, we had someone come in on their, they had a court wedding, and they had their honeymoon and heirloom. Are you serious? And it was beautiful. That's awesome. It was beautiful. It almost brought a tear to my eye. And they came back for their anniversary, and we had someone, had, had, we've had a few people propose in the space. We've had some people come on first dates, uh, you know, kind of wink to us, like, hey, I'm having my first date in here. Uh, and we said, well, I hope it goes well. And we've had one person actually yeah, come. Yeah, because if you need to end it kind of quickly, you can. <laughs> exactly. And like, oh, you're not yeah. stuck with like a three-course yeah. meal. And uh, Yeah, okay, we I had, got it. You had someone come back. And we've had a lot of successful first dates, and they came back for their engagements and, and uh, anniversary. Like, you know, we haven't been open a full year yet, but they come back for their monthly anniversaries. Um, we had someone come back and say, like, it didn't work out well. Uh, he doesn't vote. Ah, yeah. And, and I said, well, I mean, that's, I'm glad you made that decision on day one and saw that and glad you actually would come back and tell us and know that that matters to us. Yeah, yeah. Because, I, I mean, she came back intentionally to tell us, like, he doesn't vote. So this um, is, yeah, this is where you bring somebody to kind of get us, yeah, I like yeah. it. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's been, it's been an absolute privilege to have people come in and share their experiences and their stories with us. What, um, I gotta ask, man, this is so off. I mean, what kind of cup is this? This is freaking cool. Uh, that is a Hasami mug. 
Uh, it's a, made by a company called Hasami. It's a Japanese ceramic. They're all handmade, uh, all from Japan. What I really like about these mugs, they come in all different. My mug is actually a different size than yours, Will. Mm-hmm. Um, they have coasters. They've got plates, everything, and they're all modular. They all kind of fit together. Yeah, I mean, I just, um, you, I, it's, it's, I like it. It's really good quality. Um, we, we carry it. We don't sell it because our good friend Anna Maria, two blocks over at Port of Raleigh, sells them. Okay. And we've had a lot of people come in like, I love your love your uh, tableware, glassware, whatever. I said, for the for the coffee mugs, go see Anna Maria. Okay. And what's her business called? Uh, Port of Raleigh. Port of Raleigh. She's and, amazing. And amazing. what are these things? What would you ask for if you went in there? Uh, Hasami mugs. Hasami mugs. And she's got the plates and she's got uh, coasters and things like that. And beautiful. I mean, I love the, just the name of the place, Port of Raleigh. Yeah. And uh, she's bringing in all types of things into the city of Raleigh, and she curates things very well. And she's a mother of two. Her husband Joe helps run the shop as well. Nice. And uh, I remember we were walking the area before we signed the lease for Heirloom, and we ended up having a conversation with her for like two hours in her space as she's trying to get work done. But she never let on to that. She was like, "Well, look, we keep talking, and we're great friends." Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, speaking of signing the lease. Tell me about the th- thought process that went into that and mm-hmm. what, are the, what are the red flags and things people need to think about, yeah. the relationship they have with their landlord, the longevity of their space. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned this, this concept was originally for Durham. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lease on the table at one point in, the, in, in Durham. I'm not going to say where it was, yeah. but uh, um, the... The person brokering it, the, the landlord, if you will, he, you know, at, at, when you're doing a commercial lease, you share your business plan, you share your, your you know, pro forma or numbers or whatever you want to call it. And no one else is supposed to see it besides the landlord, mm. the, the parties involved. Yeah. What happened to us, and this is for, you know, the folks listening that are trying, you know, getting into this themselves or doing a second spot or, you know, because you know, you could do 10 spots and have this never happen to you. Yeah. Um, we had that landlord share our business plan and our concept with someone else. Why? So it was a, it was a hot area, uh, a prime property, prime real estate. And some, they were trying to get someone to take out more space. Mm. So they were trying to, to, to get a better lease on their end, mm. the, the landlord. And so they went to this larger player, larger than us, and said, well, do you want to do their concept? I said, well, yeah. We want, it was a corner spot, signage, prime signage, really high traffic area. I said, we're going we're gonna to do their concept. Is there not like a non-disclosure or something like that? that there is. Is that, is that just an understood thing or is it? And, and what I'll do, and, and it, I think your question was, you know, things to look out for when you're doing a lease. What I'll, one thing I'll do is I'll, every time I send out something like that, I'll, cha- I'll put a number at the bottom of the, the document and I'll change that number. Yeah. So if I ever give it to you, it might be one, two, three, four. Right. If I gave it to a, a, a different friend, it might be four, three, two, one. Sure. Yeah. And if it gets shared out, you know, you know who shares it. You know who did so, it. But, but beyond that, there was nothing else we were going to do about it. It was yeah. just, I know it's been shared out and I'm not going to fight it. You know, it's, it's so, but I mean, y'all, Okay, sharing, I mean, I, first of all, that's BS that they did that. But your concept's not, mm-hmm. it's your story. It's not the, 
product by any means. Like, right? I mean, that's just the baseline. Like, so in other words, somebody else can't. It'd be hard to pull off. It, it'd have, have they to can, change some things, and yeah, yeah, they'd yeah. have to. Yeah, the story no would authenticity. definitely change. It's like that's the authenticity is a mm-hmm. huge part of this. Yeah, yeah, they were going after kind of the the low counters, and we had a we actually had a book wall at one point. But they wouldn't even know why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so you know, but but I'll tell you, usually it wouldn't it would probably wouldn't last long. Yeah, but it never actually got started because we didn't fight it because if things like that happen. It's going to happen again, right? If someone's oh, yeah. not loyal to you, they're not. No, no, no. You, that's a huge yeah. red flag. Yeah. So they said, well, here, you take the spot on the other side. And we said, we don't want the other spot. Yeah. It's not going to work for the concept, right? And, and so they ended up doing that. So the, the tenant that they shared our concept with had their own concept for a different, mm. like the, the adjacent space. They're going to do two concepts. Yeah. They ended up sharing that tenant's concept with an even larger player. So that tenant never signed on either. Good grief. So I'll, I'll tell you, there's nothing in that spot. Right I was going to say, their, their reputation is just going to get, <laughs> like, how do you can't do that. Like, that's yeah. just, yeah. especially not in today's time. I mean, with, with all that, that's a good, good way that communication can help. Like, look, you know, word of mouth can spread quickly when Absolutely. you're, when you're, have, you know, when you have dishonorable business practices like yeah. that. So there you go. So now they got nobody in the yeah. space. Well, yeah. So, so Karma. Yeah, that, that's one thing we look out for is, yeah. is a, a good relationship with, and this is something that uh, our, our, uh, our broker, you know, reminded us as we were going through the process. He said, it's, you know, our, our business is not real estate. It's not, uh, it's, it's, yes, the product is, land it's buildings it's units but our business is actually a relationship business mm. because i want you to renew in five years yeah i want you to renew in seven and if i don't treat you right those first five years you're not going to renew yeah um so what i would say is the relationship with the landlord the landlord and the tenant has to be absolutely amazing mm. and that's what we look for I mean, we, we lease from Kane. Kane is a huge company, but they, they, I mean, if you were to talk to any one person, you'd think it was just a local mom and pop, you know, and they, and they are an independent company, but it's all about the relationship. And I think that comes down to pretty much everything in life. Honestly. Who's your leasing agent? Uh, on our side, it was Ben Lickie, mm-hmm. and Ben was, was really young at the time. We were all really young. And he was so responsible at returning every one of our phone calls, dropping everything, even though he's doing much larger deals, he would drop the world for us. And, yeah. and that's what, he was actually our third leasing agent. We dropped the first two. Uh, and, uh, you know, Ben and his, his fiance Sandra, and, you know, we've gotten to know them pretty well. And again, it's, it's all about relationships. Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that. Like, I find it, uh, it's one of the things, like, I really think is, as a parent, I think of this with my kids. It's so, oddly, it's just so hard these days to find people that, the bar is so low for basic communication, like returning mm-hmm. call. Like, yeah. you know, just the basic stuff that you and I think, like, that's what you do. But, like, yeah. if you do that now, you give yourself this huge advantage over everybody else because nobody does it. Yeah. Like, it's fascinating. I find that really interesting in business now. Um do what you say you're going to do. Show up. Just Absolutely. The, 
and I'm sure it's you know these are the principles that you instill in your, your team or that you're looking for. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, gosh, there's um, if you just do those things, you're going to do well. Absolutely, yeah. Because it, yeah. it's harder and harder to come by these days. You know, the, the, the leasing agent on the other side, on the on the landlord side, is Steve Brown, and Steve has been in the industry for five or six decades. Yeah. Uh, maybe I I don't know how long exactly, but you know, usually it's kind of two sides going at it, right? So. Yeah you would have your allegiance with, with your side, your broker, and then you're kind of negotiating things out. It was nothing but a harmonious series of meetings to work this out. Yeah. And Steve, I actually saw a couple of weeks ago, we had dinner, uh, lunch, just him and I. I treat him like a mentor. And uh, I've shed tears with him. And uh, he's, he's shared stories and advice with me and just beautiful human being. So I, I would be remiss if I didn't share Steve's name. He doesn't need me to, but he's, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. it's, it's these things that, you know, I am who I am now, actually a little, little bit in part because of Steve as well. Yeah. So, and, and, and really we met because of, you know, brokering the deal for this space. And that's awesome. And, and he was actually a reason why going back to, you know, finding the right spot, a reason why we selected this space is because he, he kind of got it right. He got what we were trying to do. And I'll, I'll share you a story. Um, Throughout our negotiations, and even after we signed on, there was a massive multinational player that called him up and said, "We want heirloom spot. Mm. You know, just it's fine. We'll pay whatever it is to, to get him out of there, but we want that spot. We want to be in that district." And Steve said to him, "I can't do it. You know, I'm committed to them. You can pay me a million bucks. I'm not going to do it." So uh, it, it's things like that, you know, showing and and he promptly so returns awesome. every email every phone call uh and i know he's the busiest guy in the world but he does going back to you know it's 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 about those values and yeah and that that really is what makes you know uh it makes me want to talk to him you know sure. and, and and uh do business with him and uh and i think the same is true in, in all walks of life or all industries you know um yeah I, it's interesting, and I don't want to talk about schedule fly in the sense of like trying to suddenly promote our business, but it's a business philosophy thing mm-hmm. that that um, you you touched on earlier about having like all these options, mm-hmm. which you do. And there's tons of them, and we we always felt like so we never wanted to get funding or anything like that. Mm-hmm. We got all these phone calls and stuff, whatever. We just didn't return. Yeah. But. We, we always felt like, okay, well, we're competing against all these businesses that are, and it's kind of, I'm relating this to, like, there's all these massively funded, mm-hmm. scaled up businesses that have, you know, millions in backing yeah. and, and all this tech. I mean, the technology is like, it's not that, you know, it's just a scheduling software, right? Absolutely. We always felt like what we would rather do is focus on, I just have always believed in relationships. Mm-hmm. I believe that people will choose, the, the people that we would, like to serve which are mm-hmm. the people that we respect and admire and would be friends with mm-hmm. if we weren't doing this if oh, we yeah. happen to know them anyway yeah. like that's who that's who we want to serve and uh those types of people care about more than just like what does it have this feature it's mm-hmm. more who's behind the business absolutely what are their what's their philosophy what's their mm-hmm. belief system and uh which is why people admire Absolutely. what you're you know there's, there's more to it than just you know the product it's yeah. it's 
everything else that goes into it. Well, in, in, in both ways, right? I mean, and that's why, again, it's it's not to, not to, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be self-serving to schedule fly, but I really believe in this. Is kind of how we selected counterculture seven years before we started the process. Yeah, we selected schedule. I never told you this, Will. This is actually the first time that we're we're talking in person. Yeah. Here. yeah. We selected Schedule Fly two years before we started Heirloom. Holy cow. Seriously? I, I kid you not. And that was something Anna and I said, look, easy one. Like, we, we went back and forth on accounting platforms, and it was a pain, like, getting data off onto other platforms. We did it, like, three times until we, we settled. And, and again, it, that's just money. It's just accounting, yeah. making sure that we... Scheduling is, at the end of the day, it's scheduling. And right. not, not to discount what it is, but it is scheduling. Well, I agree. <laughs> need to make sure that people show up on time and yeah, get their schedules and tell us when they want off. Yeah. Right? But but it's about how we do it. And and on the platform, and I'll tell you, there, there are options out there that have millions in VC funding. Yes. As soon as you get VC funding, you're doing things a certain way. Yep. Right? And, and you're not spending time telling people stories. That's you're telling right. your own, you're, you're advertising your own platform. Oh, dude, if we had funding, I yeah. wouldn't be doing this. You, you think some VC well, guy would be like, you yeah. hey, Will, <laughs> good for you and your little podcast. <laughs> but like, which, you know, how come we, we need to get 300 you know, net new customers this month or yeah. whatever it is? Like exactly. Some, it's, dude, Brett and I talked about this yesterday. I said, I, it's the measurable stuff. Yes. They are, it's all measurable. Like, yes growth rates, you know, all this stuff that like you can look at on paper, black and white. Yeah. This stuff is not measured. You can't, I don't know what this, like, you I have can't no clue. I don't care. Measure like, the like, memories you give me, Will, yeah, or how much like, my heart grows as right. we're having these conversations. That's I can't right. tell a VC yeah. investor like, my heart feels fuller, but what's, how much money did that make? That's me, right. right? Or, or, or like sending, like, what do you mean you sit there and you send out boxes of hats for like, <laughs> what the hell is that all about? Like, go make yeah. phone calls and sell more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nah, man. So, so we decided anyway. a couple years before Heirloom opened its doors. And actually, I told you I'd come back to this. What The first thing we sped up was the opening. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, we chose Schedule Fly and, um, you know, little things in there, like you can leave... You know, fly notes um, can leave. Uh, so we, what we have our team do is, if you schedule off, just tell us why, right? Like, yeah. you know, it could be, it could be for anything. Like, yeah. like Hallie is a, her her her, uh, she's a semi-professional concert goer. Is what I like to call her. Okay. She doesn't get paid for it. Semi-professional concert goer. She goes to every concert. Loves live music. Every concert. And she'll just put in the in the notes, like, I just really want to go to this concert. Yeah. Well, if that makes you happy, you know, we, if we can work it out, that's fine. That's awesome. But, but you know, there, there are platforms that snazzy, like mobile apps and apps on the Square iPad or whatever. Yeah. But for us, it's, we knew, you know, from seeing stories that you've published before years ago, for other other shops, these people really care about who they're serving. Yeah, and we'll tell their stories and help them get the kind of operations out of the way to tell those stories, and that's what matters to us. But you know, when when we were opening it, three years of a process, we actually got to opening day. We made the decision the day before. We didn't say October fourth we're opening, like weeks or months before. We just said, oh crap, we have to open. 
<laughs> and we didn't do, didn't do that for any reason other than our staff, which who we consider family. Yeah. And everyone in the space now is family. And that doesn't matter if they're, they're guests in heirloom or staff with heirloom. People are here for a reason, right? And, and I firmly, firmly believe in that. And uh, when, when my mother came to visit for the first time last month, like she went eight months without coming into heirloom because she was, she was afraid. She'd been in, in the industry for, for a few decades. She was afraid of, like, she kind of had almost a post-traumatic, you know, um, disorder. Really? Knowing that her son was getting back into the industry that had treated oh, her so poorly right, at, at one right. point. Yeah, okay. And she's like, for, especially for immigrant parents, you know, the, the, I'm sure you've heard this before. The goal is to, you know, go get an office job. You know, you don't want to spend yeah. 18 hours in the kitchen right. for someone that's just going to torch your car, um, yeah. you know, uh, the next night. She came in and she was just, she just didn't say much. She was just in awe. Like, it's a busy Saturday, and she looked around. And she's like, I know she didn't say it. I just saw it on her face. These are people are in, in here, and they're seeing Taiwan and Laos coexist, come to Raleigh, and I'm a small bit of this story. Yes. And and for her, and my brother is, is very vocal, but uh, he was in here with his boyfriend, seeing it for the first time. They flew down from Brooklyn to see it. They're like, oh my God, like this, like just seeing that these are their stories as well. Yeah. Right. My brother, Way, I mean, he, he grew up, you know, he knew about the struggles and stuff. And I think it meant a lot to him to see like these stories are resonating. They're being told mm-hmm. time and time again. And they're not unique stories because we all have stories of overcoming things and, and being different. Everyone's different. But anyway, we. October 3rd, we said, all right, we're opening tomorrow. Because we had staff that had moved here, quit their jobs to be part of Heirloom. And, and, yeah. and our industry, you, know, you can't make money without making tips and, and, and you know, getting your hourly wage and things like that. So we said, we got to open tomorrow. We weren't ready. Uh, not, and no one ever is ready. But we, we absolutely knew going into it. We were like, this is not going to be good. <laughs> But we have to open up for our team to actually, you know, survive. Yeah. So and that was the only thing we rushed. Yeah. And how'd it go? It was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. There were two really ironic things, you know, um, that we noticed when we opened up. And, and one is, before we opened, and this is, this is not meant to be a, a sad realization, but you know, in the industry, we spend so much time creating experiences, bringing people together. Yeah. And as a husband and wife team... We noticed at one point, and this is exactly, it meant a lot to us because we realized this is how our parents felt when they were doing it. What's ironic is you spend so much time creating experiences, bringing people together, but you are at your loneliest. Hmm. Because for the first few months, Anna and I never saw each other. Really? We would pass, literally, I always heard the expression, ships passing in the night. Yeah, yeah. Why is that? What? Well, we have such long hours. We, we're in the space by 6 a.m. Okay. 6.30 now that we kind of know what we're doing a little bit. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and we're out of here around midnight. Okay. Um, so we get about six hours on the weekdays, five hours on the weekend, where we're lights off. Mm. But 
you know, we will literally one of us at the time would pass out as one of us was, was waking up. And a lot of couples in the industry go through this. Yeah. But we realized this is what our parents went through. Like with kids, like sometimes we wouldn't see them and, uh, you're at your loneliest creating experiences for others. Yeah. Yeah. Especially opening up. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing we, we, we noticed, um, is we spent so much time preparing to welcome Raleigh into heirloom, but it, it wasn't true. Like that never actually happened. It was Raleigh welcoming heirloom hmm. into its doors. So when we opened our doors on day one, and I remember our first guest. Did you, okay, did, like what time did you, did you open it? We opened up at, at 7 a.m. Okay, so you open your doors. You, yeah. you what, ha- I mean, I know this is like, mm-hmm. What changed? Like, did you you had stuff you had yeah. took things off the, the like? How did you yeah. make the transformation from yep. not we, being open? To we being took open. the vinyls off the took day the before. Off. Okay, um, and it was a rush job. Like we were like, let's get these vinyls down. Okay. Um, the the when we were designing the space, like I mean, the question always comes up: How did you? What did you intend for the space to be like? Yeah. We designed everything, but one key thing was missing, which was the people. Yeah. To make this place, what it is to everyone right right? and it changes throughout the day i mean we'll have there are some nights where it's a complete day club like i mean it's popping you know and people are just loud conversations and people it's like come in here and they're vibing to the music and things and then at night it's full-on study hall or vice versa it just changes it organically just shifts okay um but i remember guest number one coming in we didn't know what was going to happen. We opened the doors. We just kind of stood around like any, like any owner would do. You opened at 7? At 7 a.m. All right. What time did somebody come in? 7. I think it was like 7.05. All right. Right? So. Or 7. Like it was 7 something. Like really early on. We're like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't going to tell her. Like she's, she was actually guest Literally number one. Literally your first customer. Like we were going to act like, oh, you know, it's served a few today. Yeah. But she knows it now because we were actually best friends. Oh, really? We met that day. Her did name. she know? Like, was she? Did she know you were opening? Was planning to come in, or did she just happen to like? I, I don't know. You don't know. Okay. I don't know because we we just posted on Instagram. Maybe she was following us, and okay. And we, we just said, look, tomorrow morning we're opening, and uh, she came in, and I, I didn't really say anything to her the first few times she was in here, right? Like I just kind of, you know, she's a guest, but. She helped us move into our, our new house a few days ago. Really? Uh, she was there for Anna. As I, w- I was in D.C. and, you know, Anna wasn't feeling well, so she was there for Anna. And um, her name's Marissa. But uh, now she she and another good friend will battle each other for who was actually guest number one. It was actually Marissa. Uh, ah, but, there it but, is. It's, but, it's, but Renz will say, well, I'm actually, I'm actually top customer. Uh, may not be the first most frequent <laughs> who, who is it the, i don't know I don't no know. i mean who is the other person oh a buddy of ours named uh friends okay okay yeah but uh That's no that that was that was the opening and um yeah i'll always remember um you know she was the first one to walk through those doors and and we're friends because not not because of that but uh you know without heirloom i don't know if we would have met so so just a, you're a few months away from the one-year anniversary what yeah. what's um have there been things that you that have surprised you about what's happened over the last nine months, whether it's positive or negative, like things that you, you, challenges you didn't foresee or, or things that have, I'm sure there's been a lot of positive things you didn't yeah. foresee. But so, um, 
through it all, it's been very heartwarming. We've had people support us on the team, off the team. We've had a lot of heartbreak, not just me and Anna, but uh, on our team. Mm. Um, we've had folks that have lost their own fathers mm. um, through the building process. And, um, you know, through thick and thin, what's most important is we, we realize we're all human. Yeah. Right? Someone misses weeks of shifts because of unforeseen circumstances. You know, I've heard stories at other places where it's like, hey, you're gone. You know, I can't, right. I mean, this is unacceptable. Yeah. But we're all humans, right? Yeah. You miss a shift because, you know, parents not feeling well or, you know, we've actually had, in our, in our world, in our generation, in our industry, mental health mm. is, a, is a very important thing. Yeah. Very important. We're on our feet for so long. You're dealing with fast-paced environments and, you know, personal lives are, are, are challenging. You've had a lot of instances where, you know, I've actually called Anna and said, can you please, like I'm on bar. And one of our questions is, you know, are you in immediate harm from yourself or others? And we've had these instances come up and, you know, I'll talk about it because I think it deserves to be talked about. Yeah. Um, it, it could happen to anyone. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's like, I'll call Anna, hang on, I'll call Anna, call Anna if she's not on shift and, or vice versa. And, you know, we, we need to, we need to meet with each other and, and be there as friends, not as I'm on this side of the schedule and you're on that side. Right. Yeah. Happens a lot in our industry. Miss shifts. It's, it's not uncommon, but you know, what is the reason that it was missed? Yeah. Right. Um, so, and it brings us that much closer together. So, yeah. And we've, uh, we've had, I mean, this has happened like early on in the middle, et cetera, but you know, it, it strengthens our bond as family. And, uh, well, once again, it's, it's the measurable versus the immeasurable. You can measure number of hours missed, shifts missed, days missed, mm-hmm. time missed, whatever. And you can take the approach of that's unacceptable. You're fired. Or you can say, dig deeper what's behind this why and when you do and you share that level of care and intention then you you wind up with somebody that's loyal for life right loyal, that, that, strong. That, will, that will give you more than you could have ever even known Absolutely. they could give you Absolutely. Uh, because you were there for them at a, at a low time and that's yeah you're very very valuable you're that uh, much stronger after you hit a bottom you know when you hit a bottom and you've gone through tough things and those that are there for for you Absolutely. during that it it look i had i had within the last year i had a i had a low spell and uh mm-hmm. i have a buddy of mine i mean who i mean he's a friend but i had never been like personally really really close and he had also had mm-hmm. similar i mean dude we're like yeah like i mean he, he's elevated now to like one of the best friends I have in the world Absolutely. just instantly because he's like dude I got you like I can relate yeah you amazing know, I like, hope um, you know at some point in the future you would call me oh dude you know, man um, same here come into uh, the spot and we do this again you know? well y- yeah I mean when you um, when you've been through that and you can appreciate that yeah. you really can understand you know, everybody everybody yeah everybody has points in life where yeah. they need somebody that can just relate understand yeah. and we, not uh, judge and absolutely and, and and again we we always think about like did our parents go through this because in their generation and in, in their culture you don't talk about these things <sighs> yeah, right? yeah. i know like i mean I, i'm sure like that's what led to some of my dad's health issues or that's you know yeah. I'll, I'll 
prep in the kitchen at 4 a.m. because I got to get ready the next day and I'm like tired and it's tough and I'm just thinking like man this is what my dad was going through I gave him a hard time when I was little but now I understand mm. when we were opening the day before opening uh, we had a significant very significant member of our team a part of the leadership team leave mm. and uh wasn't for any reason. I mean, it just didn't work out, right? But it left us with the next day we had nothing to serve, and uh, uh, food-wise, and uh, so that's why we had to start from basically not just day zero, but a year behind because mm. we just had to start over. Yeah. And uh, there's a funny story. So we served this cookie called uh, an Anamite. I don't know if she she would want me to tell. I think she would, uh, <laughs> but. We have a cookie called the salted matcha. We, we, we can we can we can edit this out if we have to. Uh, it's yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a good story. Uh, uh, the salted matcha flat. Okay, right? it's a cookie. Yeah. Um, so 4 a.m. Anna and I, we actually moved in above the shop. We don't we moved out this past week, but we moved in before opening, and uh, our, our chef had left, and uh, we had parted ways. Just uh, amazing chef, but it just didn't work out. And uh, said, well, we have nothing to serve tomorrow. So Anna and I got in. We both have culinary backgrounds. Uh, we just had other things to deal with, right? So we said, all right, well, we've got to whip something together for the pastry case. And uh, both went at it. It was like a show, like a, a, a chopped show. Yeah. She's like, I'll bake something, you bake something. So I, I went to baking, right? I was so, like, go, just speeding through it. But anyone that knows baking knows that you can speed through things, but if you put too much muscle into mixing cookies it's not going to turn out too well yeah okay and so i was just going at it like muscling through everything making like a hundred cookies right yeah well i mixed too hard and uh and the cookies didn't rise they ended up kind of like melting into the the sheet tray and creating just one even sheet of cookies one big (laughs) and i was just staring in the oven if the oven had a camera my face was just like complete misery just like a show of chopped Anna had made something out. So we, we brought the cookies out, just a tray of like quarter inch thick cookies. They weren't even cookies. They were just like butter snaps. <laughs> <laughs> and one of us was like, all right, well, we, we had a different concept that had matcha on it, right? So we're like, all right, throw matcha on there. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So there's missing something. So we threw some, the only th- other thing we had in the kitchen was coarse sea salt, right? So we threw salt on there, and it became the salted matcha. We were like, well, we can't call it a cookie because <laughs> it's so flat. We, well, if we call it a flat, that's fine. Salted matcha flat. And, and so your question of unforeseen circumstances, we raced down for him to, you know, husband and wife just knocking these things out. Anna was pregnant, and uh, you're just like, okay, well, this has got to work. And, and, you know, along the way, so... And we got a good friend across the street, uh, Gab, that runs uh, the Contemporary Arts Museum of, of Raleigh. She came in one day. She's like, "What do you put in these cookies? It's uh, do you put it's like crack in here, right?" And I was like, "Oh, we don't put that in there." But uh, <laughs> I'll tell you the story one day, so I'll, I'll shoot her this podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, salted matcha, salted matcha flat. Um, Ooh, but along the way, one. you know, unforeseen circumstances happens every week, right? But what's important. We, and we never, we never let on to staff that like, look, opening a shop, going through the loss of a parent, and uh, and Emily is waving a teddy bear at me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, Emily runs uh, 
a startup where they take uh, reclaimed clothing and make new use out of it. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yes, yeah, so it's just very cool. But um, gotten to know her through the space. Um, anyway, so uh, it's hard losing a parent, losing a child, and building a space out and all that stuff. The industry's tough, but we'll walk into the space and our, our team and our guests will ask us, like, are you getting rest? Along the way, we've had people drop off food rations and food supplies because they know we're not eating. Yeah. Uh, and that's the other ironic part is you run a restaurant, but you don't eat. Yeah. You don't sleep. And, and so that's what makes it really worth it is building those memories along the way. And now when, as we see new shops open up, we'll drop by and we'll, we'll make sure that, you know, our friends are being fed and they're eating. And yes. But our team will walk awesome. in, even, even like nine months in, like, are you getting rest? Uh, how you doing? It's tough, man. And you got to have it. You got to, the, the, I've like, I've, I mean, I'm 45 now. Like I've figured out finally, like, you don't look it. Just, <laughs> I look 55 with <laughs> silver in my beard, but, but I feel 25, but <clears throat> partially cause I like sleep nutrition. Like, dude, those are like yeah. huge. If you put good stuff in your body and you get good sleep, it's like, that takes care of like physically and mentally like so much exactly a lot of this stuff with like mental health is like it's the noise and lack of rest it's like uh, there's a lot of things that can help with that that just Mm -hmm. slowing down and getting what your body needs and the rest and absolutely it's it's, uh it's fascinating um i want to try one of the salted oh yeah let's do it i I like some i like salt let's Let's try some food too yeah i want to get i want to i want to get some um uh I t- man, let's do this. We, uh, God, we've been doing an hour and a half. Wow. <laughs> Time flies. It does. When you're having fun, great, having yeah. good conversation. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? You know, I, I just, it's been an absolutely beautiful experience. Um, it's been tough, but everything has made it so worth it. Yeah. And uh, one thing that I'll do a lot of times after we close, um, Anna and I, we're not religious people by any means, but, you know, we come from um, backgrounds of Eastern religion. Uh, Anna's parents are Buddhist. My my family comes from kind of a Taoist mix of uh, yeah. Buddhism. One thing I'll do, so when my father passed away, um, I don't know many of the customs. Anna's parents stepped in and you know, said, let's do a ceremony at our temple in Greensboro. And we'll probably, since Anna's parents are, are in the U.S. now, we'll probably go and see my, you know, where my, my dad's remains are and stuff. But at night, um, one thing we'll do is, we actually, before we opened, we had a Buddhist monk come and bless the space. And right above our front door, you can still see the markings where he drew a, a blessing. Really? On the space, he said. One thing he said is, this is not your space. There have been many people that have been in this space before you are here. And once you leave, it'll be someone else's space. There are spirits in the space now. And again, whether you're religious or not, we respect that there were, you know, there were people here before us. There, there are. I mean, yeah. that's, yeah, that's. Um, so we keep incense by the door and I'll light one or I'll light three uh, whenever we close. And that's to kind of protect the space, give it thanks. And, um, and you know, I'll kind of think about what my dad's doing and stuff. And yeah. Memories. You know, it's yeah. all about memories. And 
But again, I come back to this is not your space. Treat it gracefully. So behind the kitchen swing door, I've got a reminder for all of us to be mindful, be intentional, mm. and, and be, you know, be graceful about how you speak in the space. We, we don't curse. We don't use gender-specific pronouns because we don't know what, uh, what preferences are. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we don't throw things. We, you know, we just, again, we try to be very graceful in yeah. the space. And that's just our reminder. We keep our logo by the door. We keep the, uh, and the logo is, isn't actually on the door. It's just on a little placard that no one else would see unless we walk in and just, it's a reminder that it's there. The logo is made up of patterns from Laos, Taiwan, and Japan. There's a, a diamond pattern that represents the scales of the Nog serpent that lives in the Mekong River and protects the people of Laos. It's kind of like a Loch Ness monster that's yeah. that's that's uh, respected, not feared. Um, there are there's a Japanese pattern called the Seikaiha, which actually means waves of the world, and uh, that part of the, the world. The ocean is very powerful, you know, tsunamis. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. A, it's a, f- a fishing community. Um, seafood is a big, it's sustenance, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also a symbol of power, respect, and something that you, you know, could come in the next day and wipe away a whole community, right? So respect it. And the, um, <clears throat> there's also a, a, a lattice pattern that represents um protective parasol that you'll see in a lot of symbols of Laos, you know, protects the elephants, it protects the people. But anyway, so these are reminders for us. And what I would say is, you know, this just makes it all worth it for us to do it, to be reminded of where we come from yeah, and the responsibility that we have for our guests, for our team, for those that come before and after us to tell the stories past, present, and future. That's what I would say for, for everyone else that, you know, comes across the, the session as well as, you know, I've had some people ask me like, well, do you think this plan, this business is going to work in this space? You know, folks in the industry I said, well, it, it's not about the space or the concept. It's about your story. Right? Yes. Like, you know, just, just, just be genuine. And it's all about being genuine. And, uh, I mean, there's nothing about like, you know, uh, some folks will go into another spot and you can tell they're in the industry. They're looking at like, what are they doing? Can I bring that into my concept? Mm. It's just about being genuine. You know, totally. That's all you can do. So 100%. That's the only thing I would say. Yeah, you can't replicate authenticity. You can't fake authenticity. People get it. I mean, people pick up on it. Um, and uh, you got the level of thought and tension and love and passion and care and... Um, that you've put into this it's just overwhelmingly inspiring thank you um, it really is there's you can't walk into this space as I did and I like I said you know, we've, we've exchanged some emails we haven't even mm-hmm. talked it but I walked in I was, you just get a feeling of um, calm and welcoming thank you yeah. instantly I have to have you come back for the, the evening concert well yeah I was going to say so we should uh you're nine months in, so we should do this like you know, next year or whatever. See what's happened between now and then, and I'll do, we'll do it at night. I want to try some sake. I mm-hmm. literally the only time I've ever had that. I was. It was in. Two, 1999, 2000. 
I was living in Burbank. And um, I went to a place where they, <laughs> far different. They, they did uh, sake bombs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went with some friends of my my wife. She's my fiance at the time from work. And they're like, come to this place. And we're going to have some dinner or whatever. We didn't know what we were getting into. Yeah. And next thing I know, I'm guys standing on a table. Mm-hmm. I say sake, you say bomb. And, I, yeah. and it was a bad yeah. night, man. I, it was like, it was one of those things where you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm never having sake again. Yeah. And, but yeah. anyway. Anyway, so that was uh, I, I wanted. I want, but I, now that I'm old enough and mature enough to appreciate, uh, we, we got to do that next well, time. I, think, I had the I tea, think, I had the coffee. We got to go with the sake. I think there's an evolution of, of how you approach things, right? The same oh, thing for coffee. Like I yeah. used to love. There used to be this gas station in Ashboro. I loved the coffee there. It came out of a, a machine. Yeah, it was not a real cappuccino that I was having. Oh right, you press the button. Uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, oh, it's very it's sweet. Like sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Milk powder and stuff. Totally. Very 100%. good, but not yeah. a cappuccino. No. Um, but sake is. I think you'd really like our cocktail. So each cocktail is dedicated to someone or something. Right. Yeah, okay. So I'll give you an example. One of our cocktails is called the uh, the um, Sulk D. Mm. We uh, so we run our cocktails. We take them off the menu. One of them was a Sulk D, and actually in Laotian means good luck. It's okay. a common greeting, or if you're leaving someone, you'll say Sulk D. It means good luck, and it's also dedicated to Anna's grandmother's business in Laos. She named it Sulk D, and it's a dedication to her. Nice. It's coconut milk, uh, basil ginger mm. sake so mm. our challenge to ourselves is to use things that are genuine to those cultures yeah right? you know we've had people say like well why don't you throw gin in there why don't you throw um you know uh, uh you know saint germain or whatever like well that's i love those things but i want to challenge ourselves to be very intentional about where these drinks are coming from mm. yeah and build a story start with a story right don't start with a drink and then build a story around it. Start with a story, story. and let yeah. that drive what you think that drink should be. Sure. So we had an instance where I love hot toddies. Mm. Uh, this is for the winter. Yeah. And uh, one of our uh, members who just left the team to go pursue his dreams in Utah. So let's do a toddy. I said, be intentional about it. It took us like six months to get this right. Nice. I said, think of something. Right. It took him forever. And he, he, he brought up this thing about forest therapy. Right, therapy, calming the mind. And forest therapy is a thing you do in, especially Japan. Go out in the forest, clear your mind. Kind of what you were doing on the lake. Yeah. Wander out in the forest. You enjoy the nature. Mm. And he's like, "What about that concept?" I said, "Do that." And we went over to Crude Bitters down the street. We got these spruce and fir bitters that they had, reminiscent of the, the forest. Yeah. We smoked rosemary, mm. and we we used one of our red teas that's got this very peaty, foresty mm. tone to it. And that was what we were inspired by. We got another one rolling out uh, this summer. It's called the Sun Moon Lake. It's the biggest lake, and it's kind of the Mount Fuji, if you will, but lake version for Taiwan. Massive lake. You respect the sun, you respect the moon. So it's a, a lemonade, a black sugar. It's kind of a, a, a mm. alcoholic version of our uh, Tainan summer. Um, candied mint to evoke the mountains that are around the lake. Um, the the components of the drink are, are they're separated, so you get to see a layer of black and a layer of yellow, and uh, it's just kind of a reminder of these are the things that we respect, yeah, and then enjoy that in your drinks. So, oh, so come man. back for that, please. Oh, I will. I'll hold you to it. I'll, I'll you count on it. <laughs> count on it, my friend. Love it, um, dude. This has been awesome. 
cannot thank you enough. Thanks for having me. The hospitality, your time. Uh, please thank Anna too. I mean, uh-huh. I know y'all have a lot going on and uh, congrats. I mean, her parents, that's, when are they going to be here? I think in a few hours. Yeah, few they were hours? trying to, they were on standby for a flight because uh, the, the crew took their flight or their seats on the flight last night so they had, they had to spend the night in, in uh, Reagan. Oh. But uh, I think they might be on their way or not here already. Just on everything. Really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank okay. you, Will. Love getting to know you, and uh, we'll spend more time Likewise. together for sure, man. Yeah, let's get some food. Let's yeah. get some food. All, All right. right, that's a wrap. Thank you all.